A little peek behind the proverbial curtain here. Every episode takes some consideration. What's the next thing to talk about? What Bible verses do we apply? What is the lesson to be taught? And it's a little difficult because the Bible doesn't have like a book of single parenting. There isn't a Ten Commandments of what to happen when you are by yourself with a child. I mean, there are certainly directions on how to live your life, how to approach other people that can all be applied, and we've been through a few episodes now. And the inspiration for what an episode can be about can kind of come from anywhere. Well, I was at church, and I was listening to the sermon, and the preacher mentioned a passage that I've heard before and didn't ever put together until that day that this was a story about a single parent. So today we're going to talk about that story and what God sees and what God will do. Welcome to the Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. So we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. This is a story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. I think I'm saying that right. I could be wrong. I'm sorry if I am. And this is a long passage. It's 8 through 24. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But if you want to read the whole story for yourself, it's 1 Kings 17, 8 through 24. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. That's just through verse 12. There's a lot going on in those four verses. The first thing to notice here is that God sends Elijah to the widow. And as single parents, one of the first things you notice, it's in the title, is that we spend a lot of time alone. We don't feel like people want to help or can help. And the longer that you're a single parent, the more you sort of build up this resistance to help. Like, no, I got this. Because you have to figure out how to do everything. You're doing the job of two people. So if a second person comes in and says, hey, let me do some of this job for you. Like, no, I've got this sorted now. It's like we didn't work so hard to figure out how to do these things to then have somebody else come in and do them for us. There's a lot of pride there. There's a lot of resistance there. It's not good. I mean, it's good that we figure out how to do these things because it's the only way to take care of ourselves and our children, and continue to move forward and grow our relationship with God and our children's relationship with God and and lead our houses the way they need to be led. But pride 
is bad. I've talked over and over again about being willing to humble ourselves and reach out for help. Help with emotional needs. Help with physical needs. Help with spirit. Just for help. And we can build up this wall where we're not willing to accept help. So Elijah shows up. The interesting thing is Elijah doesn't offer anything to her. At least not in this first part. He says, bring me some water and bring me a piece of bread. No money offered, no promise of anything at this point. Just bring me some bread and some water. And it even says she's going to get him water. It's when the bread comes up, that's the sticking point. And that's the other thing is she's willing to help him. And then the bread comes up. And this is where we learn that she's a single parent. Because she's going to go make one last thing of bread for herself and her son. She's a widow. She has no help. And you have to wonder how she's been getting by or how long it's been this way. Because if all she has left is this one little bit of flour and this one little bit of oil, either they were always pretty poor or she's been without help and without income for so long that she's just been using what they have. And I think we've all done that at some point. We've all come to the place where we have what we have. We can't get anything where we have to stretch it. We have to make it work. And that's what she's doing. But it's the one thing she can't do for Elijah. She can't make more. She can make what she has. And rightfully so, I think, she says, I'm going to make it for myself and my son. It's the part after that that I don't super agree with, that we may eat it and die. She's giving up. She doesn't have anything. And apparently no way to get anything. And the story starts with God telling Elijah, go here, I have commanded this widow to feed you. In the last episode, I talked about knowing your limits and how God knows what your real limit is. Well, God knew what this widow's real limit was. He knows what it was for food. He knows what it was emotionally, physically, spiritually. And she was at it. And God intervened and sent Elijah. Because the story after this, Elijah says, bring me the cake and then go make some for yourself and your son. And then he gives her the promise from God that until it rains, you will never run out of flour and you'll never run out of oil. And Elijah stays with them. See, the first lesson to take away here is that God sends help when we need it. He will put people into our lives when we need them, when he knows we need them. And they may be temporary. They might not be. They might be permanent in your life. I've had a hard time personally because I have felt that I, I've called myself a quote seasonal person because I'll come into somebody's life, something will happen, there'll be some sort of change, and then the relationship sort of fades away. And I don't just mean romantic, I mean friendships, just people I know. And some of that's on me and some of it's not. But sometimes that happens. Life goes through seasons. But when the time is right, God will send people into your life to help you in the place that you need help the most. And you have to be willing to accept it 
because this widow does. She makes the cake, brings Elijah the water, and then Elijah stays with them. But she's so burnt out. She's so at the end of her rope. This wasn't like a one-and-done situation. This wasn't like Jesus healed somebody with a word and then they went away. No, she needed more than that. And God knew that and Elijah stayed. And that's where we get to the second part of this passage, starting at verse 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me? O man of God, you have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. Now, we don't know what her sin is, but we do know her son dies. And now here's the thing. There weren't like child labor laws back then. A child could work fairly young by our standards, but I don't think this child was old enough. I don't know that the child was old enough to walk let alone work. And I say that because of verse 19 and verse 23. Because verse 19, Elijah says, And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. So she's holding her son, and Elijah takes her son from her and carries him upstairs. And in verse 23, after the miracle happens and God honors Elijah's prayer to revive the son, it says, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. So this is a little boy, small enough to still be carried by his mother. And you can feel the emotional roller coaster of this story because she's at the point of death. She's at the point of knowing that she's out of resources. And Elijah shows up, and then the flour keeps being there, and the oil keeps pouring, and they keep eating and keep eating. So she's starting to get her hope back, and then her son dies. And you can hear the desperation. What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. This is after the promise of the flour and the oil. See, she still wasn't out of the woods, so to speak, about her lack of hope, about her despair. She was still still there. She was still healing from it. And God wasn't going to leave that work undone. So her son dies. And Elijah, Elijah at this point has built up this relationship with this woman because he's been staying there. Verse 20. Listen, just just try to imagine you're in that position. Somebody who has basically nothing has been taking care of you for a while. You get to know them. You get to know their kids. And then something like this happens. Remember, God told Elijah to go to this woman's house. And Elijah's just a man. So his heart's breaking. Verse 20, And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? 
It has sort of a what did she do to deserve this vibe to it, right? Like, God, you told me to come here. We've had flour and oil and been able to eat cake just as you promised. But now her son is dead? Like, how does that work? How does that make sense? Why? Why would you do that? Well, God knows everything. God knew that this woman was already at the point of giving up. But God also knew that the son was going to get sick. And if Elijah's not there at this moment, she loses her son. So God saw what she needed, saw what she was going to need, and put plans in motion to take care of this. God saw her need and made sure it got taken care of. And God doesn't stop until his job is done, his mission is done, his goal in your life is done. He doesn't stop. Elijah stayed until all this happens. The flour and the oil didn't run out. Her son did not stay dead. God took care of that. And he'll do that for you. God knows what you need. And God will put plans in motion to help you with what you need. Now, there is something that the widow did here that we are required to do, to be in the middle of that plan. We are required to do this thing, and that's obey. Remember the start of the story, Elijah said, bring me a cake. She said, I don't have enough. He said, bring me one anyway, and you won't have to worry about making bread. And that's what happens. She brought him bread. Cake, it's also called in this passage. Obedience is the thing. Elijah's obedience to go to the widow, the widow's obedience to feed Elijah. And then some time passes, this trust builds, and then this thing happens with her son. And we're all pretty protective of our children. Can you imagine how protective you would be right now if you were her? You wouldn't want anybody interfering. But Elijah just says, give me your son. Here you go. She trusts Elijah. Somebody that God brought into her life to help her get out of this hole of hope and despair. Now, we don't know what happened to the widow after Elijah leaves. How she recovered. Because it's not terribly far off from this story that Elijah prays and the rain comes back. Now, actual chronologically, I don't know how long that is between right now with the widow and the rain clouds. We don't know what happened. We only know what God did in that moment. And we don't have any record of how she replied to having the bread and the cake, but we do have this. Verse 24, and the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of God in your mouth his truth. Now she believes. It took time. It took healing. It took literally resurrecting her son. But she got it. She understood that God didn't abandon her. That there were other things that could be done instead of her curling up and dying with her son. Mostly, she didn't despair anymore. It's like the flour and oil was nice, 
But bringing back her son? Oh no, God's moving here. God's doing something now. From her perspective, it's not like the flour and oil isn't a miracle. Because of course it is. But for her, that wasn't enough. What are you waiting on God to heal from? What's something you've been asking God for over and Are you willing to do what it takes in obedience for that to happen? Are you willing to let other people help you to make that happen? Now, it might be something God doesn't want to happen, and that's a different kind of situation. But if it is, are you willing to do what it takes? Swallow your pride. Do what needs to be done. Move in obedience, even if it's the last little bit you have left. See, God does care about you, about us, about your kids. He sees what's going on. And he's been taking care of single parents for thousands of years. We have the story. It's right here. So don't feel like God gave up. God hasn't given up on you. He knows your struggles. He knows your pains. He knows when you struggle with hope. He knows when you're at your wit's end. And he has help. We have to be willing to be obedient that we can receive the thing that he has for us. We have to let other people help. The right people. It can be so overwhelming. So lonely. But no matter what people have said or what people have done, God is here for you now. God has a plan to help you now. Not later. It's a process. And he wants to start that process. So let him. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you don't forget about us, that you love us, you care for us, you have a plan for us. Thank you for that. We pray that you help us to be humble, humble enough to obey you, humble enough to let the people that you bring into our lives, to let them help us. And finally, God, I just pray that you would help us to be willing to listen to you and what you want us to do to be healing and moving forward. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com. Thank you for your time. Please like the podcast, rate the podcast, whatever you get your podcasts on. Drop a review on there. If you have a question, if you have a topic that you're struggling with, and you want me to cover it, send me an email, send me a tweet, let me know. But until next time, don't give up. God hasn't given up on you, and he has a plan to help. Let's all humble ourselves and let God do what he needs to do.